Volume Three, Chapter Nine of Celestina. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Celestina by Charlotte Turner Smith, Volume Three, Chapter Nine. Willoughby notwithstanding every effort and every art made use of to detain him pursued his way to england but at paris the fatigue he had undergone and the anxiety which had so long waited on his spirits combined to throw him into one of those fevers to which from his infancy he had been subject and for three weeks he was in the most imminent danger amid the wild ravings of the delirium that perpetually occurred during the severest paradoxums of the complaint he called incessantly on celestina and complaining that lady castlenorth had taken her from him entreated of his servant a man who had lived with him for some years to send for her that he might see her before he died this in the simplicity of his heart his faithful attendant would have done having no idea that anything could be of more consequence than the wishes of his dear master for whose life he was so cruelly alarmed but when he asked him whither he was to send willoughby put his hand on his heart sighed deeply and replied either that he did not know or that it would be of no effect for that indifferent what became of him she had already refused to come to him and was gone to scotland with vasiver when the violence of the disease subsided he ceased to name her and his servant afraid of renewing his recollection carefully avoided any hint of what he had dwelt upon during his delirious ravings slowly and with two relapses he recovered strength enough to proceed to calais but nine weeks had elapsed since the information he had received from vassiver and it was nearly three months after that time before he arrived in london his first inquiry was after vassiver who was he found in staffordshire and his heart was relieved by the intelligence for he dreaded lest he should have met him in london perhaps married to celestina his next was after his sister whom he still loved and in favour of whom he was willing to forget all the neglect he had experienced from her as well as the causes of displeasure given him by her husband after celestina he feared to ask by a direct message to herself and he therefore sought somebody who could tell where she now was of which he concluded he should have intelligence from lady molyneux lady molyneux attended his summons and while he embraced her with tears of fraternal fondness from a thousand tender recollections that crowded on his heart he saw her equally unmoved by their meeting and unconcerned at his illness of which he still retained melancholy proofs 
in his altered countenance and reduced figure he took an early opportunity of turning the discourse on celestina and saw with increased amazement that far from being interested in the inquiry which had occupied his whole thoughts so long matilda was perfectly indifferent about it or if he moved her a moment from the stillness of fashionable apathy she shrunk from the subject with something like disgust seemed afraid of the trouble of investigation and careless how it might terminate wishing rather to hear nothing about it than to hazard not the tarnishing her mother's honour for to that she seemed insensible but the probability of being obliged to own for a sister one whom she had hitherto considered as a dependent and of seeing her brother from a point of honour undertake to provide for her as a relation advice the heterogeneous child of selfish vanity was become a leading figure in the character of matilda she found so many uses for money in adoring and indulging herself that she loved nothing so well except the adulation it procured for her and so much power has this odious passion to pervert the heart that instead of feeling concern in contemplating the sunken features and the pallid cheek of her brother she could not nor indeed did she attempt to cheek a half-formed idea of the pecuniary advantage she should receive from his death while such were her thoughts willoughby asked her when she had last seen celestina oh replied she i have seen her only once in a room and that was by accident i was never at home when she called and i hate that old lady horatia howard that she lives with and so took no great pains to meet them when i returned her visit i have seen her though in public five or six times lately but the girl seemed to me so very much altered and to give herself such intolerable airs that i rather shunned than sought her airs cried willoughby she must indeed be greatly changed if she deserves such censor but tell me matilda what kind of airs oh the airs of beauty answered she which you first taught her to assume and which she has made a tolerable progress in since this old cat of fashion has taken into her head to make such a fuss about her and since she has been surrounded with such a set of senseless boys there's your friend vassiver constantly one of her suit and there was a notion of his being fool enough to marry her but i fancy that was given out merely by her exorbitant vanity for i dare say vassiver knows better the heart of willoughby sunk with him but he was unable to express what he felt and lady molyneux went on however i have heard since i think that the girl has been addressed by another young fellow one of the thoroughs i think whom i have lately seen with her 
which would be more suitable and more likely to be a match you have seen her then often said willoughby in a faint and faltering voice yes in public replied his sister but i have had no conversation with her lady molyneux then changed the conversation and soon afterwards left her brother more unhappy than she had found him he was by no means able to see celestina in his present state of wretched uncertainty yet to know that by traversing two or three streets he could once more behold her once more gaze on that lovely countenance and hear that voice so soothing so enchanting to his ears was to him a state of tantalizing misery from which he knew nothing could relieve him but detecting the falsehood of lady castlenorth's report and this he could only hope to do by another journey into yorkshire in order to find that hannah biscoe to whom he now thought he had certainly obtained a direction and this he proposed doing immediately celestina however surrounded by crowds of admirers celestina forgetting all the tenderness she once felt for him and rendering all his researches fruitless even if they proved to him that he might again plead for the renewal of that affection was an idea that increasingly tormented him and so painfully did the intelligence affect him when lady molyneux had given that the ferment of his spirits produced a return of his fever in a slighter degree but still so as to confine him to his room where in a few days he received a visit from vassiver vassiver was totally unconscious of the species of distress which willoughby suffered and since he himself had resigned her and agreed to complete his engagements with his family with the family of castle north for so his conduct had been generally understood in england had no notion that the address of another and particularly of his friend could be otherwise than pleasing to him he began therefore without remarking the concern and coldness of willoughby imputing it only to his visibly deranged health to relate to him his own views in regard to celestina and to complain of her preference of montague thurgood the devil take me the devil take me said he if there is in england or in europe another woman for whom i would take a fifth part of the trouble which this bewitching girl has already given me curse me if i am not ashamed of myself when i think of what a whining puppy she has made of me ten times i have left her and ten times have returned to prove to her that she might use me like a dog miss de moray said willoughby in a voice affected by the various sensations he felt miss de moray must be greatly changed sir if she is ca become capable of any improper levity towards any gentleman who professes regard for her at the same time you will recollect 
Mr. Vassifer, that she is mistress of herself, and at liberty to reject those whose offers may not be acceptable to her. From the experiments which you have been pleased to make, though from our long friendship I should rather have expected you to have applied to me before you make them, from the experiments you have been pleased to make, it seems clear that Miss de Moray has no favorable intentions towards you, and I would advise you by all means to decline the pursuit. May I perish if I do, replied Vassiver, with all his usual impudency. No, George, unless I can be made to appear that young Thoroughgood, that little crutinizing fellow, without a shilling and without nothing but his impudence and scraps of plays to recommend him, has better pretensions than I have. Curse me if I will give it up. This second imitation of Celestina's encouraging the address of Montague Thoroughgood was a second dagger in the sick heart of Willoughby. He dreaded an explanation, which, while it might serve perhaps to subdue all his fears as to Vassiver, might create others equally unsupportable. He could not, however, remain many minutes in the breathless agitation of such suspense, and therefore said, I really don't know anything about Thoroughgood. I hardly recollect that there was such a man. What? exclaimed Vassiver. Not know him? Not know that she went immediately from Alvinstone to the house of that old priest's father? Yes, answered Willoughby. That I certainly knew, for it was by my request that the elder Mr. Thoroughgood become her guardian. Well, nothing was so natural, I suppose, as for his reference to delegate the trust to his son, and as his deputy, I suppose it was that he went with his ward to Scotland, and was her guardian all the time she was among the highlands and the islands. Impossible, cried Willoughby. He could not, could not have been there. He was by heaven, exclaimed Vassiver, and when I met Celestina with your letter at York, I found that young fellow attending on her and Mrs. Elphinstone, but I was authorized by yourself to wait on her, and I obliged him there to resign a post, which went, I think, of having so long filled, and apparently with her approbation, by all that's diabolical, I could tear his puranical soul out. Nothing that Willoughby had ever felt was equal to the anguish which pressed on his heart at this moment. The coldness he fancied he had found in Celestina's last letter was now accounted for, and all the warmth of grateful praise, with which in her former letters she had spoken of Mr. Thoroughgood, was imputed to her growing affection for his son, lost as she might be, and probably was to him forever before this intelligence, 
unless he could content himself with that share of sisterly affection which was all she ought to bestow there was something so terrible to his imagination in her feeling a warm attachment to another that he could not think of it without horror nor conceal from vassiver the effect it had upon him his mildness of manners forsook him and speaking less like himself than like vassiver whose vehemence he seemed to adopt he cried in a voice that trembled with passion how dared he pretend to celestina he not only dared then interrupted vassiver but dares still and has contrived to get lady horosha howard to be of his party he has fascinated the old woman with his piety and his poetry and i see very plainly that the young one will throw herself away upon him unless you prevent it may i perish cried he if i do not yet at that moment the recollection too forcibly occurred to him that he had no right to prevent it unless by urging a claim as her relation from which his soul recoiled so painfully acute were his present sensations that he was unable to breathe and without attending longer to the exhortations of vassifers who eagerly pressed him to interfere immediately he abruptly left the room and sent by his servant a message to vassifer saying he found himself so ill that he was gone to bed but should be glad he would call again for an hour in the evening instead however of attempting to procure that repose which his increased fever required he went to the trunk where celestina's letters were deposited and with trembling hands taking them out he ran them over even from the first she wrote to him after their separation to the last which mr jarvis had delivered to him at naples his apprehensive jealousy so powerfully awakened now taught him to fancy that from the moment of celestina's acquaintance with montagu thorogood her letters had become gradually cooler and that the last too plainly evinced her cheerful acquiescence to that reluctant and only conditional resignation which b had with so much anguish of heart been compelled to send her while he explained the cruel circumstances that had torn him from her and from happiness the longer he dwelt on her letters the more this idea was strengthened and the more insupportable it became his illness originally occasioned by anxiety returned upon him and though without delirium his fever was nearly as high as when he was in so much danger at paris he now determined to send to lady horosia howard and he attempted to write to her but he could hardly command his pen and found himself wholly unequal to the more difficult task of composing such a letter as could alone be proper 
he threw away the paper in despair and calling his servant ordered him to find out immediately some means of becoming acquainted with the servants of lady horosha howard and procure intelligence of what visitors were most at the house particularly if a mr thoroughgood of devonshire was there often the man hastened to enter on a task the man hastened to enter on a task by no means difficult to him he contrived the same afternoon to induce himself to one of the footmen of lady horosia at the porter house he frequented and learned that his mistress and her young friend of whom he spoke as of an angel were gone for a fortnight or three weeks on a visit into oxfordshire that mr vassifer used to be a good deal at the house when first lady horosia came to town that now he was much less frequently there but that mr thoroughgood was there almost every day and read to the ladies whole evenings who since these reading parties at home went much less into public than they had done before this intelligence distracted willoughby by redoubling every apprehension he had felt the man however was sent back for further information and bade to ask if mr thoroughgood was of their party in their present journey and if there was any talk among the servants of an intended marriage between him and mr moray in answer to these queries he had the mortification of hearing that montague thoroughgood was to meet the ladies at oxford and that it was in the family generally understood that he was the accepted lover of celestina and highly approved by lady horosia it was now that the corrosive jealousy that had long tormented him had a decided object and fixed with the most envenomed power on the heart of willoughby the impossibility of his interfering to prevent celestina giving herself to another while he himself remained in such a situation as the present and dared not even see her the little probability he saw of removing the doubts that distracted him and the apprehensions least if they were for ever effectually withdrawn celestina would rejoice that they were so the cruel idea of montague thoroughgood possessing that heart which he once knew to be all his own and the preference of that of that elegant mind of which he had with so much delight contemplated the improvement were thoughts that incessantly pursued and tormented him and he had no means of obtaining any information of the conduct of celestina or her return to town but by his servant who was now employed whole days to gather from the domestics of lady horosha intelligence which when obtained served only to increase his misery the anecdotes he gathered from his sister served too but to aggravate his distress yet when he saw her as he generally did once every day from whatever point the conversation sat out it always ended in questions about celestina and lady molyneux 
who had insensibly familiarized her mind to the idea of her brother's dying a bachelor in consequence of his early disappointment now sat with concern that his attachment to celestina though it prevented his marrying any other was yet so rooted in his heart that should he find as she believed he would the imagined relationship a mere fiction he would most undoubtedly return to her with more ardor than before they were parted and notwithstanding the embarrassed state of his affairs which every day became more serious would marry her and disappoint every view of fortune increase of fortune with her adverious ambition foresaw might otherwise accrue to her actuated therefore by very strange motives she cooperated with lady castlenorth in endeavouring to divide him from celestina while one was strengthening the barrier raised between them the other was trying to convince willoughby that he ought not to wish for its removal the means of doing this were she thought to keep him at a distance from celestina and to pique his pride by representing her as attached to another the first point was for the present secured by his illness and she took care so artfully to insinuate the second that aided as she was by the report of vassiver and by the continual repetitions of what he had seen on the journey from scotland that every hour the fatal impression sunk deeper into his heart and his reason or his reliance on celestina's affection had no sufficient power to resist it thus passed five or six days after his arrival in london he endeavoured to shake off his illness for by a journey into yorkshire which he could not till it was conquered undertake he could alone hope to obtain any satisfaction as to the original cause of their separation yet even from thence he now no longer dared to look forward to happiness which even while he was employed in attempting to regain it seemed escaping from him for ever but that he might undertake something to relieve himself from the wretched state he was in he was now in he put himself into the care of a physician and set about getting out of an illness he had hitherto neglected or rather indulged though very languid and with great deal of fever still about him he went to lady molyneux and a day or two afterwards as he found himself better from change of scene and of place he accompanied her on some of her visits and called in at a card party where she told him she must shrew herself for a quarter of an hour the rooms were full and lady molyneux being notwithstanding her declaration that she should stay so short a time sat down to a card table willoughby sauntered into one of the apartments where the younger part of the company were seated at a commerce table where the first person that met his eyes was celestina elegantly dressed and more beautiful than ever 
with myriads of charms playing round her face and cheerfulness and pleasure dancing in her eyes while on one side sat a young man whom willoughby immediately recollected to be montague thoroughgood and on the other gentleman and on the other another gentleman who though he seemed to be more of a stranger to her was evidently charmed with her and unable to keep his eyes from her face fixed to the place where he stood unheeded among some other idle people who were looking on he remained gazing at her for several minutes his legs trembled so that it was with difficulty he supported himself his legs trembled so that it was with difficulty he supported himself and his heart beat as if it would break he debated with himself whether he should speak to her or retire unobserved but while he yet argued the point a smile and a whisper that passed between her and montague thoroughgood determined him to fly from the torments he felt and which he found it almost impossible to endure another moment he stepped hastily away to find his sister and entreat her to go but so deeply was he affected that weakened as he was by illness he staggered and might have fallen had not the shame of betraying so much weakness lent him resolution to reach a chair where he sat a moment to recover breath and recollection mortified tenderness and disappointed love gave him for an instant a sensation resembling hatred he fancied he could quit celestina never again to feel any interest in her fate but leaving her to the man she preferred strengthened himself against his fatal until now invincible attachment by contemplating the fatal barrier which he had so long been trying to destroy and to believe that artifice rather than nature had placed between them of this cause of their separation no part had in fact been removed and he reproached himself for the absurdity folly and even vice of his present conduct having argued himself into what he thought a resolution to feel no longer for celestina he hurried to lady molyneux and told her that if her game was not nearly at an end he must leave her and go home in a chair as he found himself unable to bear the heat of the room his sister answered that she was only settling her winnings and would attend him in a moment if he would wait for her he agreed to do so and going to the door that led out into the next room he leaned against the side of it turning his eyes as much as possible from the apartment where celestina was lost in the painful sensations inflicted by distracting jealousy and bitter regret which he yet struggled to style he distinguished not the objects all to him uninteresting that moved before him a crowd of young people however who had just risen from their table were pressing into another room where refreshments were distributed 
he moved a little to make way for them when he saw close to him and even borne against him by her companions celestina herself her face was at first turned from him for she was speaking to montague thurgood who was on the other side but finding herself crowding against somebody she turned to apologize for the rudeness she was guilty of when the well-known figure the well-known face of willoughby emaciated and pale as they were instantly struck her an involuntary and faint shriek testified the impression they made and willoughby who caught the weak sound of her distressed voice was at first by an irresistible impulse hurried to her assistance but seeing the arm of montague thurgood supporting her and his countenance expressing all the interest he took in her emotion he imputed that emotion to her consciousness of her attachment to her new favorite and darting at her a look of impatient reproach he forced himself through the crowd and without looking back sat down breathless and trembling by lady molyneux who was at that moment coming forward to meet him the agitation of poor celestina could not be concealed nor could she for a moment or two escape from the inquiring eyes of those who remarked it as soon however as she could disengage herself from the throng she sat down hardly daring to inquire whether she had seen what was real or visionary she had returned from oxfordshire with lady horatia only the evening before and knew nothing of willoughby's being in england while in addition to the amazement the sight of him occasioned his apparent ill-health impressed her with concern and the displeasure with which he surveyed her with terror montague thurgood who had seen willoughby and whose eyes were never a moment away from celestina knew at once the cause of her distress he followed her little less affected than she was herself to a sofa where she had thrown herself and asked her in a faint and tremendous voice if he should fetch her anything she answered if you please so low that he scarce distinguished what she said but stepping a few paces from her he took a glass of lemonade from a servant and brought it to her she took it and carried it to her lips almost unconscious of what she did when montague thurgood leaned over the arm of the sofa on which she sat and watched the emotions of her countenance with all the solicitude he felt strongly painted on his own at the same moment willoughby appeared leading lady molyneux through the room the first objects that he saw as he approached the door were celestina and montague thurgood but having once seen them he turned hastily from them and seeming to give all his attention to his sister he disappeared celestina's eyes followed him with a look of inexpressible amazement and concern she seemed to be in a fearful dream and when she no longer saw him 
her eyes were fixed on the door through which he had gone out she heeded no longer what montague thoroughgood said to her but sat with a palpating heart and a pressed breath till lady horotia after twice speaking to her roused her from her half-formed and confused reflections by reminding her it was time to go she followed in silence where lady horotia led and at the coach door wished montague thoroughgood good night for the only distinct sensation she felt was a wish for his absence but lady horotia who was immediately going home desired him to return and sup with her which without knowing what he did he consented to though too conscious while he did it that celestina had rather be without him for as he handed her into the coach he felt her tremble so that she could hardly support herself and he heard the deep sigh burst from her heart as if it would break lady horotia had not seen willoughby and had no idea of celestina's sufferings she talked therefore in her usual way of the people they had seen and of some books that had been recommended to her till observing that celestina who usually bore her part in the conversation did not answer she inquired if she was not well pretty well i thank you ladyship replied celestina but i am uncommonly fatigued to-night and have the headache this answer satisfied lady horotia who continued to address herself to montague thoroughgood till they arrived in park street where celestina would immediately have gone to her own room so unfit was she for conversation and so unable to sustain it but lady horotia ordering her woman to bring a remedy for the headache of which celestina had complained and that had before been of service to her she rather than alarm her kind benefactress sat down near the supper-table to wait for it but so great an effect had the violent through short perturbation of her spirits had on her countenance that lady horotia immediately perceived it the headache cried she in surprise and taking celestina's hand my dear you have surely something worse the matter with you than a common headache pray dearest madame replied celestina pardon me if i am utterly unable to say what is the matter to-morrow i shall be better and i know you will forgive me till then the manner in which she uttered these few words as trembling and faint she advanced towards the door alarmed and surprised lady horotia she saw however by the countenance of montague thoroughgood that he could explain the cause of celestina's uneasiness she therefore suffered her to depart and immediately made the inquiry of him he instantly informed her of what he had seen and with no favorable description of the looks and manner of willoughby which he had indeed appeared to him to be extremely cruel and insulting towards celestina lady horotia with whom 
Willoughby was no favorite, and who extremely disliked his sister Lady Molno, saw his conduct in the same point of view as Thorogood represented it, and after some conversation on the subject, said that though she was much concerned for the shock Celestina had received, yet that upon the whole it might perhaps be better for her that this circumstance had happened for now said she i think she will possessing as she does so much proper pride be convinced that even if the story coming from lady castlenorth has no foundation as i myself suppose it has that still she ought not to indulge in her early prejudice in favour of a man who whatever he may have pretended or she may have believed never intended to act honourably by her and now only deserts but insults her thorogood heartily assented to this opinion and sat down to supper with a heart somewhat relieved from the extreme uneasiness which the emotion of celestina on the appearance of willoughby had given him still however he could not eat he could not converse but as soon as he could disengage himself he took leave of lady horatia and full of anxiety and trembling least all the hopes he had of late so fondly cherished should be blasted he returned to his lodgings End of volume three chapter nine Recording by Lindemarie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.